Before we get started in today's show, I want to tell you about Stamps.com, longtime sponsor of the BS Report. It's quick. It's convenient. More importantly, it's really, really easy to use. You do not have to go to the post office anymore. You can just stay home. Make your own office, your personal post office. You can avoid lines. You can avoid just standing there as somebody mails some package, some 79-year-old lady. Who needs that? Make your own mailing and shipping from your house. Stamps.com. Put in the top right of the site, BS. You'll get a deal and a scale and a whole bunch of other things. It's a great product. Uh, You can buy and print official U.S. postage using your computer and printer. Stamps.com will give you a digital scale. It will automatically calculate the exact postage for any letter, any package. They'll even help you choose the best class of mail. Wow. Why go to the post office? Just give it to the postman. Stamps.com. Check it out. The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. Welcome to the BS Report. Friday morning here in Southern California. We have a Grantland Basketball Hour show coming Sunday night, 8 p.m. It's the very special trade value show. That's right. We're counting down the 60 best assets um, from 60 to 1. Zach Lowe could not be on that show. Ryan Rosillo, Jalen Rose, and myself, 8 p.m. ESPN. And then we have a 30 for 30 coming on right afterwards about the uh, Russian hockey team that lost to the 1980 U.S.A. hockey team. But right now, Zach Lowe, he's been writing all week for Grantland. He just wrote a piece about um, the goofy Eastern Conference. Adam Silver came out this week and mentioned that he'd be very open to changing the playoff format. Do you think this happens? I think I, I, look, he doesn't he doesn't say stuff like that lightly, right? I mean, they like the image at the NBA of being open minded and creative and all of that, but that doesn't mean Adam goes out publicly and says things like that. I, look, he told me a few months ago that it was under consideration, and I don't know if it's really advanced past that. It's certainly not happening this year, but yeah, I mean, you got you might have to balance the schedule a little bit more, and he's talked about that with you know air travel being easier and yada yada yada. I think it's on the table for sure. We just can't have that. We can't. It's 2015. We can't have these two crap teams in the Eastern Conference make the playoffs and Durant and Brow potentially not make the playoffs. It just it can't happen. Right. So it, the, the thing that he suggested, which I thought was interesting, I don't totally agree with that. You and I have written about different formats that we like in the past. Um, he was suggesting that all the division winners are guaranteed somewhere between the one and the six seeds, depending on how their records rank. And then after that, it's just best record. So the worst team in the league of the 16 playoff teams would be number 16. They would play the best division winner. It wouldn't matter what conference they were in. I don't know if it has to go that far. Um, what the One idea that I really liked and that I was actually jealous of, which I, which I judge all great ideas by if I'm jealous that I didn't think of them because I'm an only child and I'm competitive. The Tom Ziller five regions idea I really liked with, with just – the way the NBA is structured right now, just from just if you look at a map, it's these basically five clusters and regions that are, are where the teams are kind of near each other. And that would make sense to me if they just changed to five divisions, kept it in those regions, and those five division winners advanced, then the next 11 teams made it. What do you think of that? I liked Tom's column. I liked it when he wrote it. And look, I mean, there are there are some real geographic issues. I mean, as easy as travel is now in relative terms, you know, to when it what to what it was in the 70s and 80s and 60s, it's still changing time zones and 
coming into hotels at two in the morning and all that, like that still that still takes a toll on you. And uh, we we also have this you know re- these ridiculous alignment issues where teams are in the wrong division if you if you just went or even in the wrong conference if you just went by what region they're of the country of the country they're in right but you know i liked it i just don't you know i don't know i don't think division should have any import at all like i'm fine if there needs to be some sort of scheduling structure where you your schedule is a little bit slanted towards teams that are geographically closer to i guess that's a reality and that's fine I, I just don't see why they have to like this idea that they should be guaranteed the four top seeds or whatever adam was mentioning uh, I just don't. I don't. I think we just need to throw them out as things that matter. So just go one to sixteen, March Madness style, and forget divisions completely. I, I mean, I, maybe we have to have divisions like like Tom's Tom Ziller's regions just for the convenience of regular season schedule. But I just don't see why. Like, why should it even be a thing that Portland is so far ahead in the Northwest Division because of Kevin Durant's injury and therefore they're right. guaranteed a top four seed? You don't get home court with that. It's not as important as it used to be. But, like, why Why is it? should it even be part of the calculation? It's just dumb. So his regions, he had uh, the Atlantic, which was all the teams you'd think, Toronto, Boston, New York, Brooklyn, Philly, Washington. The Lakes, which was Minnesota, Milwaukee, Chicago, Indiana, Detroit, Cleveland. I enjoyed the Lakes. Southeast was Miami, Orlando, New Orleans, Charlotte, Atlanta, and Memphis. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, Big West, Denver, Phoenix, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston. Also makes a ton of sense. And then the Pacific, Sacramento, Portland, Golden State, Clippers, Lakers, Utah. Just makes sense. I just look at this on a map and I'm like, wow. The other thing, when you look at the NBA on a map, there's this whole part of the country that doesn't have a team. You basically go from Portland all the way to Minnesota and then above Colorado. And there's like, well, it looks like 10, 11 states that just don't have a team. We might need a North Dakota NBA team, Zach. Well, those are all the, those are all the places that like cheer for the Braves and Cubs in baseball, right? Because they're on, right. they were on national TV. Like, yeah, there's that whole... I, I've truthfully, I've never spent a lot of a lot of time in that part of the country. I would love to chill in Montana and you know see the big sky and and all right. that. I've never really Montana been would be cool. How random would that be? I'd rather have a Montana team than some of the teams we have. Uh, I was going to say I'm holding I'm holding back I'm holding back on uh, what what team I would like to discard in favor of the Montana Sky or the Montana. Well, isn't there already a WNBA team that's called the Sky? So we can't have that. Be. The Montana Bison. Oh, God. Can you imagine right now if we had the conversation of which team would you move if you could move any team? Let's move on. Let's stop it. Stop it. Let's move on. <laughs> There's like three fan bases right now that are like, don't say it. Don't say us. Don't say it. Uh, you mentioned that. Uh, what was the thing you on Twitter the other day you were talking about with somebody about? Um, oh, it, it was about the teams that don't get home court in round one but make the playoffs should also all be eligible for the lottery. Do you believe that? I'm not sure I believe that, but I like it. It's a popular idea within the NBA. Maybe not within the NBA, but within a lot of teams. You know, when I talk to guys that I bounce ideas off of, that's one that's come up a lot. And the idea would be like, you know, you don't want a scenario where take the Celtics or the Pacers right now, for instance, um, who are in position to, to make a run at the eighth seed and also have guys that, it would be interesting as buyout candidates or trade candidates if they wanted to take a step back. Ideally, you don't want those teams to say we'd rather miss the playoffs than be eight or seven. And if you incentivize them to be eight or seven by putting them in the lottery, 
maybe you change one team's behavior every couple of years or something. But, you know, all of those systems have the same problem where there's always an inflection point somewhere. There's always a point at which it's going to be better to lose than to win. And they that might be the four or five seed if you if you go by this go by this system. And that's why Mike Zarin's wheel idea, you know, for all it's for all the the gruff it took, I, I think that's that's the appeal of it, is that it takes so there is no inflection point. It's just this is how the system works, this is where you're picking. You can't manipulate it. It would be interesting. So with that theory, basically eight teams wouldn't be in the lottery. So you'd have twenty two teams in the lottery and of those twenty two, eight would be playoff teams. So you conceivably you could go seven, seven, eight. The top seven lottery teams would get three ping pong balls. The next seven lottery teams will get two ping pong balls. And then the eight playoff teams that didn't have home court in round one would get one playoff ball. And that's how we go. And you just put in three times eight, 24, set, uh, seven times two, 14. So you're up to 38. And then, uh, Eight times two, you'd, you'd have 54 balls in the thing. Just ping pong balls, just rattling around. Pull them out. Winner gets it. I don't, I'm not I, against it. I, you, I don't know that what the weighting system would have to be in order to, to you know, and, and the NBA always tinkers with it in order to make sure that the best teams don't have too good or too bad odds. But here, but, my but thing Zach, with this is, I'm not, I'm not against that though. I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for a 500 team to get the next Anthony Davis. Like we want good teams. I like watching Golden State. I like watching Atlanta. I like I like watching really good basketball. I'm not against stacking a good team. No, and it would rarely happen if ever. Um but you might I mean would you would, would what if Portland got the next Anthony Davis because the you know we're not talking about a 500 team then if they're the 5th seed and they're 20 right. games over 500, are you okay with that? Yes. You have because you have to be. I'm okay um, with it. I was okay when Orlando got Shaq and Seaweb back to back, and then but stupidly traded Seaweb, although it didn't seem stupid for four years. But I, I like having really good teams, and really, and if you're going to have these thirty teams where it's just really hard to 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 keep adding good pieces, I also we've talked about this before. I don't like seeing really good potential stars go to bad teams. Like, I know it's good for Andrew Wiggins to be on this Minnesota team right now because um, he's putting up good stats on a bad team. But three years from now, if they still stink, is that good for him? At some point, there's a tipping point. Sure. Um, and it's actually very interesting to watch him now that Rubio, Pekovic, and Martin are all back. So he's not like a co-number one option right. anymore. But, you know, we're seeing that. And, and it. But uh, the flip side is it puts a very interesting kind of pressure on those teams. Like New Orleans, since the day they drafted Anthony Davis, has been under pressure to make sure they get they do enough to convince him to sign the longest and richest possible extension with their team. Yeah. And sometimes, and I don't I don't think they necessarily did this, but sometimes you 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 rush the process a little bit in order to convince that guy that you're the place for him. But sure, yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about how you know is Kawhi Leonard Kawhi Leonard if he doesn't land with, with that nucleus and that coaching staff and, and on that team. And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, that's that's part of the fun of the game. It's turned into a great what if. Um, what if Cleveland just hadn't done anything after they got LeBron? Because, and we talked about this on Grantland all summer. I think at one point we had a shoot around with a bunch of writers writing about it. I know you've written about it. Um, the, the Just the thought of Wiggins going into a Cleveland situation kind of basically as like the baby Pippin to the LeBron. And 
whether that would have been better or worse for his career to to go that route versus just going to Minnesota, being the guy, being on a bad team, being able to make make mistakes, not having the giant spotlight on you, being able to have a you know a one for twelve game that nobody sees uh, versus the flip side, which is like. You might stink one night, but it's on TNT on a Thursday night, and you're you know, and you're playing uh, San Antonio, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's a bust. He sucks." So you could argue he's in a better situation now. At the same time, I think he's really talented. He's better than I thought he was going to be, and I kind of wish he had played with LeBron. Yeah, I mean, um, it is going to be an interesting hypothetical, and it's going to be an interesting hypothetical as this season goes on and and the off season starts, because though the Cavs have now won. 12 in a row, the Kevin Love situation is still simmering. I mean, that whole exchange of comments they had a couple of days ago where LeBron said he just needs more confidence in his shot, and Love said, I don't really know what he's talking about, and he took no shots after the first quarter. I can't remember what game that was. Yeah. It was a game I watched. It was Truthfully, it was a game I watched, and I did not even notice that he hadn't taken a shot since the first quarter until I read about it afterwards. That's how like normal the whole flow of it seemed to me. Um, that that issue is not going away. The Wiggins thing, I, I want. I'm calling you out on one thing. I'm yeah. so, I have to do it. I'm sorry. Please do. S- stop comparing these players to Scottie Pippen. You did it with KJ McDaniel's, and now you're doing it with Wiggins. Well, Scottie Pippen you, deserves better than this. And by, by the way, I, I one of my best friends from college and I did not talk for like two weeks because we got in a poker game argument over whether Scottie Pippen was one of the top thirty players ever, and he like thought Scottie Pippen was overrated and bad, and like literally for That's two horrible. weeks of our two weeks of our senior year of college, like our poker group and our hearts group like temporarily broke up because we we almost came to blows over Scottie Pippen. So this is per- it's personal for me. That's hilarious. I love that you had a hearts group. I had Scotty as the 24th best player of all time in my book. I okay. ride with Scotty. I'm all okay. in on Scotty. I think he got a raw deal um, with the with the when he wouldn't come back in coming out of the timeout, and that plagued his entire career, and it was totally unfair. I love Scotty Pippen. My my thing is, I'm just talking about not becoming Scotty Pippen, but becoming, you know, kind of some of the things that he was and represented. Sure. You know what I mean? And with Wiggins, first of all, with, with rookies, the thing I always remember to to remember as I'm watching them is like this is the worst they're ever going to be, right? Until they get old. So you're watching somebody like Wiggins, and and this is like he's at the bottom of where he's going to be. And when you see the speed of the game, or the speed that he has for the game compared to everybody else's relative speed, and just some his footwork and all the pieces are there for like a really, really, really memorable career. And and you could see it in college, but he really drifted in college. Like he just wasn't assertive. And now it's like he, the kind of the light bulb went on. And, uh, I, I just think that was a great trade. I, I mean, for what love's value was, um, and what they actually got for him. That's, that's one of the first times we've ever seen somebody get more than a hundred cents on the dollar for a superstar. Just Um, doesn't happen. Are you ready to go there? More than 100, so they got better value? I mean, Anthony Bennett still stinks and looks like he's I, going he's to sting. A, like, whatever. He's a throw-in. But they got and a they number blew, one they pick. they blew the Thad Young thing. They blew the Thad Young thing. They blew the Thad Young thing. But by, by, by not just keeping the pick from Miami that has a shot now to be a lottery pick. Not to spoil the trade value special on Sunday Uh-oh. or ne- next week's trade value con, but I, I ranked Bennett like 21st. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Wiggins. I ranked him 21st on the list out of all the assets. 
that's fair. The number one pick who's good on a rookie contract is really valuable, and he's he's shooting thirty seven percent from three. Um, he can't really dribble yet, but he he can do a lot of things, and he he's had a couple of post ups where like. I rewind it because it, it doesn't seem like a rookie should be able to be that yep. powerful and fast in the post. But he's got he's got a lot of things going for him. I, I'm a, I'm a fan. What's interesting about him is he does every he he basically does everything right. He can already post up, which he could do in college, and I thought that was the most fascinating thing about his game in college. If he'd post up, he'd be like, "Whoa, what is this?" Um, can beat anyone off the dribble. Can spin into the lane. Which I, which most guys take a couple years to even have the confidence to do that. Can shoot threes, can shoot pull up jumpers, um, can play above the rim, and he's a really good defensive player when he wants to be. Um, I, I think he's a gem. I, I think Minnesota fans should be really happy about him. Let's talk about uh, the most fast, like whatever. Whoever gets the one seed, the two seed, I don't really care. The best team's going to make the finals, and, and I think any any of these teams can win a game six or a game seven, or a game six at home or a game seven on the road, whatever. The fascinating thing to me right now at this NBA, you look at the standings, is who is going to get the eight seed, and I might even throw in the seven seed because I could see Portland, Clippers, Dallas, San Antonio. I could see one of these teams going on a skid if something went wrong, if somebody got hurt or whatever. So I'm including all those teams. But Phoenix, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, they're all se- they're all separated by one game in the last column right now. These are all teams I kind of want to see in the playoffs. Um, who You have one spot for three teams. Who's making it? I've said the Thunder all year. Um, they have made it very difficult for themselves and not played very well for long stretches of the season. But... I still think it's the Thunder. I still think. I mean, Durant is coming back tonight, it looks like. Um, and he, he made some statement about how he feels more ready to come back after after having rushed back. And I just think they're the best of those three teams and that Phoenix has lost so many heartbreaking games now that the math is going to tilt against. I mean, they're only one game out, the Thunder, in the loss column now. So they're they're right about there. Um and that New Year's Eve crazy win that they had over Phoenix looms kind of large. I think that was a triple overtime game. So I'm, I'm still yeah. going Thunder. They have not really I, – I, the Thunder were my pick before all the injuries to win the championship, and they just haven't played that well yet this season, but I still think they sneak this out. Something weird's going on with that team, and it's all little stuff. It's not anything major. It's just little stuff here and there. Like, you know, Durant's at the Super Bowl last week, but he's hurt but they had a game the night before the Super Bowl and the night after. I, I I don't totally get it. I watch them, and it's like sometimes it's just every man for himself, which I don't like, especially when we're watching teams like Golden State and Memphis and Atlanta and San Antonio, and these teams are so selfless, and they're all about inclusion. And you watch Oklahoma City, and it's like, all right, it's now my turn to start shooting. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think they're – as t- as crazy talented as they are, I think they're pretty easy to stop at the end of the games. They're just going one-on-one. I think any good defense can stop that. And the Scott Brooks thing just continues to, to just linger like a black cloud over this team. And you look at that and look at the end of the schedule, right? They're going basically starting in April or Sunday, March 29th, Phoenix at Phoenix. They're two and zero against Phoenix so far, so that's that. Right. They could if they win the third one, they've got the head to head. But anyway, well, this yes. is the key. This is the key part. 
at Phoenix, home for Dallas, at Memphis, home for Houston, home for San Antonio. Now, if they can get through that and be lingering or be the eight seed or be one game out, then they finish the season Sacramento, Indiana, Portland, Minnesota. So the schedule is in their favor. I feel like as opposed to like the Clippers, I feel like OKC has already kind of played the tough part of the schedule. I, I agree with you. I think they're the safest bet. But I also agree with you on all of their problems. And, and somebody on, on a Thunder blog called Welcome to Lo- Loud City, which I've, I read, the, that's I've a, read the Loud City blog. That's a bad nick. Is that really what the city is called? I don't yeah. anyway. Um, wrote something called like the, the NBA has passed the Thunder by. And I think there is something. Uh, look, it's tempting to say that, but the Thunder have been playing the same way for a long time. And they've had the best offense and the second best offense, and they, they score. And they've been shut down in the playoffs by good defenses, but not really when they've been healthy. And and when they have everyone, I still think they're going to score enough. But yeah, they're predictable. And, and if they are even a little bit handicapped, the 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 effect of even that little handicap is magnified because they have no other stuff to fall back on. They have no creativity and unselfishness to fall back on. And you mentioned Golden State, and it's like <clears throat> they make you believe in all of the chemistry and intangibles and selflessness and all of that stuff that sometimes guys like me overlook. I mean, they really, and I wrote about this a couple of months ago, I mean, they really, they care about each other. Yeah. And they play in a way that exemplifies that care. And I think that that has a larger value, especially that manifests itself over time. And Oklahoma City doesn't play that way. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, they do care about themselves. I'm sure they're all nice people, but like Reggie Jackson and Deion Waiters don't play that way. Even Russell Westbrook sometimes doesn't play that way. Right. And I, I don't know. It's just watching the Warriors and the Spurs, it just, it really makes you believe in the larger power of like, I remember talking to Draymond Green about a pass he threw where he had a wide open three and he threw a pass to Maurice Spades who was wide open for like a 10-foot jumper. Not a dunk, a 10-foot jumper. And he just said, I remember the exact pass you're talking about. And I just thought, I want to get Maurice going. He gets going because he scores baskets. I get going by getting stops. He needs to get baskets to get into rhythm. And I just felt it would be better for us if he got that basket. And I just thought, like, that's... That's awesome. Like the the Warriors really make the like they make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. I'm with you. I mean, this is basically what my book was about about yeah. how how uh, the the chemistry is the most overvalued thing in basketball, and you know, is undervalued. What I, yeah, undervalued. And, and what Isaiah told me that it took him a while to figure out was that the secret was that it wasn't about basketball; it was about all the other stuff that was on the court. You see it with Golden State. Um, by the way, you and I might be the last two people on Deion Waiters Island at this point, and and there might be a tsunami coming, and we're just <laughs> we're just playing in the beach. We're playing in the beach in Deion Waiters Island. We're out of. We don't notice that they were like we've eaten all the coconuts on the island. Right we're about the we're like, about This is great. Where is everybody else? I don't understand what happened. Um, but you know, I think Memphis is another example of a uh, of a team that just really kind of gets it, right? Like, you saw that Golden State game um, when, uh, you know, Thompson Thompson has the 37 in the quarter, right? Curry's kind of the great heat check guy on that team. Um, but yet Thompson steals the thunder from him, right? Nobody was happier for him than Curry. And then it flips this week. Curry has the big game on ESPN, 
Nobody's happier for him than Thompson. And it's like, if you don't have that on your team, I'm not sure you can win the title. But I wanted to read you this quote. I really, I thought this was great. It was in Abrams' uh, piece about Mike Conley. And to me, this this is the basketball that I care about. And this is why I get so frustrated with Kyrie Irving, because I just don't think he thinks this way. But here's what Mike Conley said just about playing point guard. So he goes, it's almost like you have a clock in your head. I have a clock in my head for Zach, for Mark, for Courtney Lee, for anybody in the court. Guys that don't need to play with the ball, like Tony Allen doesn't need the ball to be effective. I say, Zach needs to get the ball. He's working very hard in the defensive end and then the offensive end. And I can feel four minutes go by. Zach hasn't had the ball, and I can see it. He's starting to get a little antsy. Okay, now it's time to bang it into him four straight trips to see if he can get something going. So... I like that. I like that quote in the thinking behind it because I think that's what a point guard should do, right? You're, you're just, you're not just looking out for yourself. You're, you're like, oh, you know what? Gasol hasn't got the ball in a couple, a couple of possessions. I want to make sure he keeps working on it. I'm going to feed him the ball here. Or Courtney's been open in the corner. We haven't been getting the ball. I'm going to get him a shot here. There are team. There's like seven or eight teams right now that think that way. And when you watch Oklahoma City, they just don't. And it's just all about the talent. That they have, and it's just like we're, our talent is just better than your talent. But I think the NBA is getting too good. I, I just don't think that's going to work for four straight rounds anymore. Am I crazy? I mean, it hasn't worked for four straight rounds yet, but I think it could. I mean, because talent is still the most important thing, and their talent has solved a lot of those issues over and over again when it's all been available to them. But Memphis, I, I'm I'm right with you on Memphis, and I think it works the flip side too. It's not just the point guards. It's I think. Zach Randolph has decided I'm okay being a third option now. Yeah. I mean, he's not I like a distant third option, but I don't think that he makes that decision if there isn't years of built trust with him and Marcus Gasol and him and Mike Conley. I think that all that's all wrapped up in there. And one of the things, you know, um, people laugh at us for talking about the body language stuff, but one of the things I like to watch in NBA games is when someone takes a shot um, – or or catches the ball at the elbow and doesn't swing the ball to the open man in the corner either because he doesn't see him or because he wants to search out his own shot or, or search out another thing, and then the ball goes out of bounds or the possession's over. I, I like when that guy waves over to the other guy in the corner and says, it's my bad. Like, I saw right. you. I messed up. Like, that, like, like, I'll get you next time. It's in my head now. Like, that kind of stuff, that adds up to me over time. I look for that kind of stuff. And you should. I mean, they, they, there are always little subtle signs that a team gets it or a team doesn't get it, especially if you go to the games. You can watch the huddles. You can watch the way that the guys interact on the court when the other team's shooting a free throw. If it's just five guys just standing there solemnly, nobody's interacting, that's never a good sign. But I think the Clippers have like a weird version of what we're talking about here because they have a couple issues. One, and you saw it last night, um, it's the most entitled team in the league. Everybody's like, why do you hate on the Clippers so much? I, I don't hate on anybody. I just want good basketball. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. Um, that team complains all the time. Um, and you can pass a point with the refs where they've just had it. And I think everyone's had it with the Clippers. I think the other, the other teams have had it. The refs have had it. But on top of that, you have this dynamic where it's on Chris. It's on, it's, it's on Chris's terms, whatever happens on the Clippers. And sometimes I feel like the other guys get a little fed up with it. They don't want to be ordered around by him. 
They don't want to be told, like, go over there or I'm shooting this time. Get out of my way. And there continues to be a weird vibe with that team that I think the record is a little better than the team is. You wrote about them this week. You actually believe that they have a really high ceiling. Um, I disagree on you with you on this. I think they're going to get killed by this schedule coming up. Why do you like their ceiling so much? I mean, I don't see why why I wouldn't. I mean, they they have a. I think a lot of these issues are real. Like I I've heard enough about the internal dynamics of the team being not 100 percent kosher um, that I think that I think there's something there. Um, and, and clearly, their bench is underachieved. And the Austin Rivers, you know, the whole series of trades I talked about was a disaster. But, I, like, they're really, really good. And that might not even win you one series in the Western Conference, but it would not surprise me if they made the finals. They have the best offense in the NBA. Their defense is so-so, and, and let's see if they repeat what they did last year where they get better as the season goes on. And, yeah, this road trip is going to be tough. They have an eight-game road trip and a seven-game road trip. That's not really ideal from a schedule perspective. But I think, you know, look – they're, they they were one Chris Paul boner away from being in the Western Conference Finals last year. People act like this team hasn't achieved anything, and I think if they're just their on court persona were different, people wouldn't throw that at them. They'd say that's just a really good team, but it's because they act so entitled and so pouty that people just want to throw the fact that they haven't made the Conference Finals yet in their face, kind of aggressively. And look, they are entitled. And pouty and all of that. Like when you call around to other teams for perspective on the Clippers, people think all these GMs and assistant GMs and scouts and whatever are like, you know, uh, calm and neutral. People freaking hate the Clippers. Everyone in the league is rooting against the Clippers. People are so tired. Multiple, lots of people have said some version of everyone is so tired of watching Chris Paul's. Um, Excuse my French, but like everyone is just is just like stop shooting from three quarters court trying to get a shooting foul when everyone knows it's not going to work. Stop yelling at them. Just stop. Every It doesn't bother me because I'm not up close to them that often. It really bothers everyone in the league. Yeah. And I don't know what I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. The Clippers are really good. People are sleeping on the Clippers. No, of course, it, it, they just lost by a thousand points last night and whatever. But those are all good points. And the other thing is, I think there's definitely like there's the media version of that of how people feel about Doc and then there's the in the league version. And I was surprised and amused by how much everyone around the league enjoyed what the Celtics did to to Doc with the Austin River stuff. And basically held his son hostage until he overpaid to get uh get his son in the team because the other option was they were just gonna keep him and bury him in the D League. But they knew Doc wasn't gonna let that happen. And this was kind of the subtle revenge for the Celtics for how he basically ditched them two years ago. I mean, he, even he's kind of admitted it at this point. They got the first-round pick from it. But um, all of a sudden, two years later, they have this chance to kind of, oh, yeah, we have your son now. <laughs> what would you like for him? Almost like they were like the diehard terrorists, like uh, talking to John McClain. But uh, these are their next five games. They got killed last night. We're taping this on a Friday. At Toronto tonight. At Oklahoma City on Sunday on ABC. At Dallas the next night. Home for Houston. And then home for San Antonio the next night. So they're playing five games in the next seven days. And could go 0 for 5. I mean, the 0 for 5 is on the table. If they went 0 for 5, they'd be 33 and 22 at the end of that. And here's what I'm going to tell you. be in the mix. 
if they go 0 for 5 and 1 for 1 of 1 and 1 and 4 whatever 100% guarantee people will overreact to it and say something's wrong with the team like this is what happens when you have a 5 and yeah. 7 stretch like that you should probably not win most of the games it's like the schedule tilts against you you're going to lose some games they're going to lose some games it doesn't mean that they're not really good they'll make them up elsewhere it's like washington <clears throat> washington is scuffling around i don't know what their record is in their last 10 12 games it's probably around 500 probably below 500 They've played a lot of good teams and lost in overtime and by one point and had some bad clutch breaks here. They're like, they're fine. I mean, the Wizards have some issues. They can't figure out the Hornets of all teams for some reason. But, you know, it, it, it's not like like this stretch is like it's meaningful in the sense that, okay, they got some kinks they got to work out. Why does Marcin Gortat never play in the fourth quarter? Their offense is kind of like blob. We already knew that. But it's not like panic time. And if the Clippers go one and four in their next five and seven nights against those teams, it's not panic time. It's just a tough part of the schedule. I'm yeah. telling myself that anyway because I believe in the Clippers and I think they're pretty good. I like what you wrote about the Hornets today. They are the weirdest team in the league. And and it's like they were created by some GM who's in, who's living in 1983. It's like, spacing, what? Yeah, just put, put the best guys out there. Who cares about spacing? And play really slow. And it, and it like it, when you play when you see these teams play them, the games are just ugly as hell. And the other team is like, well, "What is happening? This is not basketball." But it probably will work. They'll probably make the playoffs. Uh, can we talk about New Orleans quickly? Sure. Playing better uh, in 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 my opinion, one of the most shocking developments of the season, and certainly the most under the radar development, Eric Gordon, who. I probably, if I had written the worst contracts piece that I write every year, if I had written that piece in November, he would have been the worst contract in the league. And all of a sudden, he's kind of, I don't want to call him an asset, but he's kind of a little bit of an asset. He stretches the floor, and he's been doing Eric Gordon things, and despite their their abominable coach, they're pretty interesting. I like them. He's been playing pretty well. I mean, he had a bad game. Uh, the other night against Oklahoma City, what was he? Uh, he did. Three of 12, no free throws. Yep. Tyreek was five of 20. Eric Gordon's, you know, part of it is that Drew Holiday's out, so he's going to just naturally kind of get the ball more. And that's that's what made him everyone's favorite heir apparent to the best shooting guard title, which seems like in, in two to three years that became plausible to like so insane because of Eric Gordon and, and then on the other hand, Clay Thompson and James Harden. But anyway... Um, he gets to run pick and roll and do a little more stuff that I don't know he's going to get to do as much of that stuff when Drew Holiday, who they really need, comes back. Yeah, yeah look, Eric Gordon's okay. The Pelicans are fine. The Pelicans are a nice team. They should be in the playoffs. They just are in the wrong conference. And I think they still have a chance, but um, they better – well, this game tonight's going to be fun. They The, the interesting thing about the, the Pelicans is they could beat anybody any night. Like if they got it going, if, if a couple guys are making outside shots, Davis is doing Davis stuff, that's not a team you want to play. Um, like Phoenix, Phoenix is the same every night. They're going to play They're going to play hard. Their guards are going to be slashing. Marquise going to do stuff. They're going to start a couple near fights. Like you know what you're getting with Phoenix. And Oklahoma City, they're not going to shock you. They're going to have games where Westbrook gets hot or Durant gets hot. But ultimately they're the same night tonight. New Orleans, it's like it's like potluck. You don't know what team, what what team, New Orleans team you're watching. What was the game they played the other night where they just killed somebody? Was it uh the one fifteen to one hundred game? Well, they beat Orlando. Oh yeah, it was Atlanta. 
They they when oh, they yeah, beat they Atlanta Monday night. Yeah. Like that was legit. It was you can't say like oh Atlanta played like absolute crap. Like New Orleans just played really well. Well, you know? they have um, they have the guy who's been the best player in the NBA um, yes. this season. They so you really a, believe that? You think he's been the best player in the NBA? Start to finish this season, yeah. I mean, LeBron since his two week. We got to figure out a name for that. His two week. I don't know what. Oh, I, I can. Um, oh, I can. I can. I have a couple of titles that uh, I'm not going to say. But his two week refreshment or something um, yeah, has re- been the best player. Kind of hinting toward, yeah. But okay. but um, I'm not going anywhere where near where you're going. Um, I'm not going anywhere either. I'm just listening okay. to you. Um, but start to finish, Anthony Davis has been the best player in the NBA. And look, this idea that he can't win the MVP is nonsense. Anthony Davis should absolutely be in the MVP conversation. I'm not saying he should win it. But I might vote for him right now. He's been sensational all season. They're also just the weirdest team. Dante Cunningham is playing small forward. He should probably be playing power forward. They just don't have the right matchup. You know, they have the Oshik right. thing, which do they like Oshik? Do they like Anderson? Yeah. Do they sometimes play all three together, which they haven't been doing as much lately? They're just a weird team. And and that funkiness can kind of get people off guard. Poorly, poorly coached and poorly constructed. And yet they have a bunch of players I like, with the exception of Tyreek, who I think should be a 20-minute-a-game guy normally. Um, and seems to have just a stranglehold over that team sometimes. Where you're just watching TV, you're going, you have Anthony Davis, he, he might be the best pick-and-pop big guy in the history of pick-and-pops. Like, if I'm the other team, I'm just like, I don't care what they do, just don't run a pick-and-pop with them. Goldsberry did a great job of breaking down um, all of a sudden, Anthony Davis is now like the best long two-point big guy shooter in the league. It just came, that just out of nowhere. He decided to add that to his game on top of everything else. Um, I, I can't for the life of me understand why that just wouldn't be the play every single time. What do you do? How do you stop it? Um, um, you can switch. You can rotate a third guy over. I mean, if they yeah, go to it to rotate time- the third guy. Well, then that's fine. I mean, you do it. Look, he hasn't shot enough in the clutch, but this idea that he never gets the ball is kind of overblown. I mean, it becomes harder in crunch time to run what you want. Defenses do different kinds of stuff that they wouldn't do with three minutes left in the third quarter or something. But yeah, Tyreek has been shooting too much in crunch time, but he hasn't actually, he's been shooting okay. I think Anthony Davis is still shooting over 90% in the last two minutes of close games or something crazy, so he probably should shoot more. But, you know, it's... it's easier said than done. Like I look at the Hawks as, as another example. They're obviously killing everyone all the time. I feel like the floor for every single possession of that they have should be an Al Horford open 20-foot jumper because they can get that whenever they want, and he's maybe the best long two-point big man shooter outside of Dirk in the league. But like sometimes a possession just doesn't unfold that way or defenses do other stuff or you do other stuff that renders that hard to get to with eight seconds on the shot clock. I don't know. I, I like I, they should get the ball to Anthony Davis all the time. I mean, that's, that's the, are you the okay story, with though. him? He's 17 shots and seven free throws a game. You're okay with that? Uh, that, that Cause that's what he's averaging. 17 I mean, shots, seven free throws. That's your, how Anthony many guys Davis take 20 shots protection. a game in the NBA? Well, one of them, one of them is now making a documentary and not playing basketball anymore. I'm going to answer that question for you, Zach Lowe. Hold on. Uh, while while I'm answering this question, can we talk about what you're seeing with the Cavaliers right now? Because all the Cavs fans have gone into us against them mode, like it's our fault that we're pointing out that the Cavaliers look terrible and that LeBron was playing below the rim for the first two months and they were a complete mess. I'm sorry, okay. I pointed that out. My bad, everybody. Uh, after, what do you see now? 
after I got death threats from like a hundred Miami fans for predicting <laughs> that the Heat would finish sixth, seventh, or eighth or miss the playoffs, uh, yeah. Uh, I, the Cleveland fans are tame, and those Heat fans, by the way, they're all very quiet now. Um, oh, very, very quiet, like um, like crickets. Yeah, they, we, should, threats, we should literally. just have we should we should go silent for a solid minute, and we could imitate all of the Miami fans in the last month. Death threats and, and like cursing at me, and like oh, you're yeah. like gay slurs and stuff. I'm like, is this, this is uh. how people interact in society? It's like, are they all? <laughs> Or are all those people – this is my question about Twitter. Are all the people who, like, will do that kind of stuff, like you effing this, effing that, are yeah. they, like, 15-year-olds or something? Like, should I not – like, should I just assume they're all 15 and just being 15-year-olds? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Listen, nothing's bigger than internet muscles. Um, That's true. What are you seeing with the Cavs? They're good. The trades really worked. Um, you know, Am I, I going mean, to have to eat crow about the Moscow trade? What, you opposed it? I thought they gave up too much. I just, I just, it was a classic situation of just a team panicking and another team being able to get two first round picks when nobody else would have offered to. See, but I think people misconstrue that trade. I mean, that was really those two trades were really one trade, okay. where they got that second first round pick. It was like a four team. It was like the four. It was basically a four team trade where they 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 got that second pick from Oklahoma City specifically to give to Denver. It was never their pick. And they got all three of those players for that for basically the one pick, and you know I can't remember what who did they give up waiters. Um, it was basically Wait, yeah. one one large transaction. I think that's the proper way to look at it. And okay, in, in those terms, I think it's worked out well because Jr. Look, Jr.'s a nut, um, but he can shoot threes, and Dion Waiters can only kind of shoot threes, and sometimes he can't shoot threes. Uh, Shumpert is going to help them. He's going to give them depth. He, he gives them lineup flexibility. And Mozgov is no great shakes, but for what will probably be you know a low first round pick, he does stuff that they need to do if they want to win the title, and they can win the title. Going back to our earlier discussion, Anthony Davis, eleventh uh, in field goal attempts, seventeen point two. Tyreek is averaging um, fifteen point five. So they're, so they're getting Anthony Davis um, less than a shot per half more than Tyreek Evans. Sure, give him a couple more. I have more a problem with that. Then. Yeah, I'd like to get him to – can we get him to 19 or 20? Yeah. Uh, Le- LeBron James, who looked like he was entering a different phase of his career. I think that's fair to say. He had a lot of miles on him. He's over 40,000 minutes. Um, looked different the way he was playing. Went away for two weeks, came back. And he's been lights out. He, I'm looking up his stats right here. Basically, has been 29 a game, six and six, 50 percent shooting. Um, do looks like LeBron again. Do you feel like he looks like LeBron again? Yeah, he's peak LeBron right now. Um, okay, it's it's not the same as it was in Miami because he plays a different position and does different stuff. Um, but he's in terms of the athleticism and, and explosiveness, he's very close to peak LeBron. And yeah, he's he's the best player in the league when he's when he's going at full speed. And you know that help that helps, I guess. Would you bet your life that Kevin Love is on the Cavaliers in two weeks? Oh, in two weeks? Yeah. Uh, well, I would, no, I would in not. Two weeks. Would you no. bet your life that he's on the on the Cavs in two weeks? Would you bet your life on anything in the NBA? The Pistons just waved Josh Smith like two months ago with a gazillion dollars left on his contract. Uh, no, I would not. Um, but I'd bet 
a lot of my life savings on it. Now, if you ask me that question for next year, I wouldn't bet anything on on what team he's going on him being on the Cavs next year. But if uh, Kevin Love in, got traded, would you would you drop the phone and check? No. Mm. No. I mean, I I think. Um. No, let's put it that way. I would not drop. Let's. I would not drop the phone in shock. I just maybe the shock would be more of. I'm very interested that whatever team traded for him was willing to risk it, given that he's a hundred percent lock to opt out of his contract if he does not. If he's not thrilled with the destination that he's in, um, unless he agrees to opt in as a condition of the deal or whatever, as as Chris Paul and a couple other guys have done. That, but no, wouldn't I mean I would drop the phone out of surprise or something, but not, it wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't shock me, wouldn't like blow me away. If you had to pick a team that Kevin Love was going to get traded to, and there were twenty other twenty nine other teams in the league, which team would you pick? Just hypothetically. <sighs> well, there are twenty nine other teams in the league. Yes, there are. Um, I mean, I just don't think anyone would do it. Because of the the contract thing that I just mentioned before, uh, to me the most uh, and and the Mozgov thing is interesting because they don't need a center anymore, so it changes kind of what they would look for in a package. You need you would need a four back or power forward back and and some other goodies. Um, so you know, and I, like a Denver maybe Fareed. Yeah, you could look at Fareed and some extra picks. You could look at Markeith Morris and some stuff. You could look at. Ooh, I, mean, I feel like Markeith Morris is worth more than Kevin Love. I'm not going to go that far, but I, I do feel like Phoenix he makes not half million, as much money. Phoenix wouldn't do it. For, for Mark, first of all, Markeith Morris is really good. Um, I wouldn't trade really, Markeith Morris for Kevin Love. Well, contractually, again, like I don't think Phoenix would do it in a million years. But if I were for, if Dan Gilbert came to me and said, "I'm crazy. I'm Dan Gilbert. Here's a letter that says you have to trade Kevin Love," like that might be my first call. But I don't think anyone's doing it. Because everyone still thinks, look, if he gets to a team where he's not 100% thrilled, he's going to the Lakers. Is Brandon Bass and Jared Sullinger enough? How many of the how many of the Celtics 19 <laughs> picks are you throwing? No, in? that's it. That's my offer. Just them. Oh, I'll throw in Marcus Thornton. Oh, well, if Marcus Thornton's throwing in. But first of all, can the Celtics stop playing Marcus Thornton? Gerald Wallace, who they have stopped playing, and Tayshawn Prince. Tayshawn Prince, by the way, I feel like sending Hollinger aggressive and angry, not angry, just taunting text messages every time Tayshawn. Tayshawn Prince is like suddenly hitting corner threes and mid-range jumpers before he got hurt. Um, but it's, even when they're playing well, I just don't want to see those guys play. Enough. Move them along. Buy them out. I can't watch them play anymore. I will say this. I think Marcus Thornton could have a moment as a heat check guy in the playoffs for one of these teams. Yeah, and he would miss. That would be the moment. <laughs> he would take a bad shot, and he would airball it, and his coach would take him out. That's yeah, the moment. Come on. He's, been, he, he's kind of sneaky decent. This is what Billy King thought last year. He'll have a moment for us in the playoffs. I don't remember a single thing that Marcus Thornton did as a Brooklyn Net. No. I don't, like Literally, I'm sh- I know he had a couple of big scoring games. I remember nothing. You're, not, no wa- you're not watching enough Celtics. Obviously, I'm I'm the only pathetic person. No, he's had some big games. I've watched them a lot lately. They, especially they go to him at crunch time. I was for that piece that I wrote today about the toilet yeah. bowl race for the last two spots. I watched yeah. all those teams a lot and intentionally in the last two weeks. And he's had some big games. He's shooting forty percent. He's shooting forty percent from three as a Celtic. I know. Well, I look at like you know everybody's talking about Ray Allen. Oh, what teams Ray Allen going to go for? Um, Ray Allen wasn't very good last year. 
And Ray Allen hasn't been playing basketball for eight months. And I don't know. Is he going to be better than Marcus Thornton while I'm watching every day? Like, he's, Ray Allen's going to hit, be hit or miss, and he'll have one good game and a bunch of bad ones. That's Marcus Thornton. I, yeah, I think it's, Mar- I'm amazed by how much time people have spent talking about Ray Allen. Well, he's a, it's like people are still talking about Emeka Okafor. He's, he's a big name. Yeah, and people know him, and he has a track record. But like, no one is sure that Emeka Okafor can run up and down a basketball court. But his name is still going to come up. Ray Allen at least won't do dumb stuff. Marcus Thornton is going to do dumb stuff. He doesn't mm. know how to pass. He doesn't know how to play defense. It's kind of the Gerald Green factor. Although Gerald Green, to his credit, has gotten a lot better at the other stuff in his game. Like he's a, he's become a little bit less selfish. He passes a little bit here and there. But like you know, with Gerald Green, who got mysteriously benched a few games ago. Um, I love the fact, but Jeff Hornacek's like temper tantrums with his team are awesome. Like you get a technical foul, I'm benching you. That's yeah. that since has not happened. But anyway, Gerald, yeah, he's gonna he, he will fight one of his players. I feel like that's in play. It almost yeah, happened this season. We and he'll There'll be a player coach fight. He's my top pick. He will. Uh, I mean, we remember Hornacek from his career. He'll 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 throw down. He'll kick you in the balls if need be. I mean, he's yeah. not that dude is a tough dude. Um. Yeah, that was but, like that Stockton and Hornacek. It was like Jerry Sloan just went to a science lab and just cloned two people that thought like him and were just like gritty, dirty. Dirty, I mean that in a, in a friendly way. But you know what I mean? Just like guys who were just going to give you a little trip on a pick and give you a little elbow to the groin when the refs weren't looking. Both of those guys played that way. Everything's legal if you don't get caught. Um, can I say one quick Celtics thing just because – I it's your podcast. You can say they, they are the 17-time world champions. You can say whatever you want. Marcus Smart is kind of starting to come on a little bit, and I'm excited about it. He's an animal. He's shooting 36% from three. If he can really shoot, he's that's a game changer. Threes. He's making threes. Um, he's having weird box score games, which I like. Like against Denver, he had 10 rebounds and 8 assists. Uh, I was really impressed by what he did to James Harden on the Friday night game last week. And you look at that box score, I think he only had like four points. But he went at James Harden. And at, at there was a point in that game where James Harden's like, what's going on? I'm James Harden. Who is this guy? This guy I don't I don't like this guy. Can they can they send in a sub for this guy? You can kind of see it. Marcus has a chance to be everything we thought about Tony Allen, kind of the 2.0 version of it. I really think he has a chance to be the best defensive guard in the entire league. I don't that's think it. that's ridiculous. That's it. He's, that's that's all I got for you, Marcus Smart. He's um, really he's a tenacious defender. I mean, a fun game to play for Celtics games is watch him, watch only him, and see how many times a pick, either on or off the ball, actually like dislodges him off his path. He's like you can't screen the guy. It's impossible to screen him. He gets over. He right. gets under. He gets through them. He's tenacious, and, and he's going to be really – what I love about watching the Celtics is that it, it's this kind of positional flexibility that everyone wants now. Like, you know, if you need – if you want Marcus Smart to guard the opposing point guard, Avery Bradley can guard a wing, vice versa. Like, Marcus Smart can guard threes if you need him to. It, just, it, it makes it easier to match up in transition. It's just a handy thing. He, he leads the league in the unofficial stat of, I just took a terrible shot. I feel bad about it. I'm just going to go get the ball back right now on defense. He say, I've watched him do it like 10 times this year. It's like, oh, God, that shot was terrible. I'm just going to get a steal. I'm sorry. And he just goes and runs over and gets it. Uh, three, three names for you 
Which of these three is most likely to get traded? Ty Lawson, Fareed, Taj Gibson. Are all are, are all of those three guys on the same team in two weeks? Does anybody get traded? What do you think? I think all three are on the same team. Okay. <clears throat> I, I think if there's a like a likeliest one, it's um, Fareed. If only because you've always gotten the sense that the Nuggets are just, you know, that he's just, I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think he's a weird personality and he's always had, you know, dust-ups with the coaches. His game hasn't really taken the next step that everyone hoped for upon yeah. signing a pretty rich extension. Like, I think that's the that's the most likely one. But I don't think anything's out of bounds there. Um including Ty, who's a prickly... not Ty's not a prickly guy. He's had a prickly relationship with Brian Shaw. Um, Taj, that's an interesting name. I never thought about that. I just view him as Well, that a was on the internet. And Lord knows everything on the internet is true. But I, uh, I didn't see this part of the internet. I'm, I'm yeah. behind on my internet sleuthing. There was a, a CBS Sportsline report that Taj Gibson might be available. Or maybe they're reporting somebody else's report or whatever. But it, it, the Taj Gibson name floated around the... Uh, the internet yesterday. I and I was writing all day yesterday. Let's see. Yeah. The Sporting News believes that Todd Gibson has been involved in considerable trade talks. Los considerable. Angeles to Toronto. Toronto is interesting. Toronto would definitely. Well, you know, like to we are, we their... both think Toronto's doing something, right? I, I guess. I mean, they would like to upgrade their power forward spot and and you know do some other stuff. I don't see Portland as mentioned there. I don't see that as a fit. Um. Detroit? Uh, I don't know. I just it's a risk for Chicago to give him up. I mean, Todd Gibson is really good. They got to get something back and I think that's the and and the Gasol Noah thing continues to be a little dicey and that if you don't get another big man, you know, you're ready to roll with Gasol Noah Miritich and that's it. I don't I don't think and Nazar Muhammad, I'm sorry. You'd have um, to get something back for Tosh. I mean, you'd have yeah, to get at least somebody who could play 20 minutes a game at forward plus whatever else you're looking for. I'm still not. By the way, I I don't want to talk about Chicago yet until they have their whole team. I'm just well, I'm not the, ready to. I'm not ready to write them off. I'm not ready to say anything yet. Let me. I want to see them in like late March, and then I'll have a decision. They're the most interesting story in the NBA right now. Well, no, the most interesting story in the NBA is freaking Hassan Whiteside and whatever well, the hell is happening there. They're the most that, interesting team. Oh story my god, Hassan Whiteside is what the hell? He's apparently Zeus. Um, it's insane. His numbers are insane. It's just insane. There is – Lebatard texted me over the weekend. He's like, what's the precedent of this Hassan Whiteside thing? Like thinking Nothing. I'd be able to just dive into NBA history and pull out a couple names for him. It's like not only is there no precedent, there's not even like – I can't even be like, well, it's like 10% like when this happened. Like a guy who can run and jump and block shots and crash the offensive boards and get 2020s just kind of sitting there for four years with nobody picking him up has never happened before. There's no this is better than it's be, it's better than Linsanity. It doesn't have like Jeremy Lin had the buzzer beater against yeah. the Raptors, and he obviously has a sort of brings a different a different culture and part of the globe to the game in terms of fan interest. But what Hassan White's look, I wrote about this today. His rebounding rate, so the percentage of rebounds he gets on the court would be like the fourth highest ever. His block rate, the percentage of blocks he got, he's blocking 11% of all two-point shots while he's on the floor. All of them. 11%. That would be number one all time. Um, and it's, it's crazy. I, I, just, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand it. Um, 
Miami, if Wade Wade comes back, Bosch comes back, it'd be pretty easy for them to get the seven or the eight seed. And you see what Whiteside's doing, assuming he doesn't go crazy in the next five minutes or five weeks or whatever. You know, him and Bosch with Wade, Luol Dang, and maybe they make a trade for their point guards have been horrendous. Um, maybe they upgrade one of those point guard spots. All of a sudden, it's kind of a frightening seven seed, right? I they were number two on my Eastern Conference toilet race today. I would be all the world. Like, can you Cleveland Miami two seven is not out is not out of play, and would be phenomenal. It would be unbelievable. Um, the the one other thing I wanted to say to you, and then I know you have to go, is I think Denver is the team to watch with this trade deadline because. Um, they just have weird pieces like Lawson's really interesting. Flalo's really interesting. Chandler, Fareed. Um, they have a couple contracts that nobody else would really want, but we, you know, if you attach them to the deal, it gets interesting. Um, if I was running Denver, I would just try to blow that team up and send packages here, there, or wherever. Like for instance, you could you could maybe a Fareed with the Celtics. You know, where you're you're also dumping JaVale McGee's contract in there. You're getting picks back or whatever you want. Um, or same thing for a Flalo to OKC where they just rent him for three months and they get maybe get, they give up Deion Waiters if they've decided that hasn't worked out. But it's just – you could come up with 27 different directions that that could go. And I feel like if they're going to do one trade – then they, then they should just do four, right? Like, why not just clean house? Like, that team doesn't work. That coach doesn't work. The players together don't work. Why wouldn't you just clean house if you were Denver? I think they will. I mean, I, or I think they'll try. I, I, the only reason you wouldn't is if you can't get anything back. Um, you know, if you can't, or you can't, or you have to take back more money or whatever it is. But yeah, Wilson Chandler to Portland is my favorite trade that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, and... It, you know, I feel like Denver owns this title every year, you know, the, the the team to watch at the trade deadline. But they have a lot of short contracts, a lot of medium-sized to semi-big contracts on a lot of guys that are not essential to their long-term future but are still kind of interesting. Um, I think it should all be on the table for them. I mean, you saw the stuff about, you know, they offered a bunch of trash and a pick for Brooke Lopez. Um you Both you and I like Brooke Lopez as a trade asset. We didn't understand why he was just like nobody was offering anything for him. Um, and now it feels like all of a sudden he's an asset. Like at least they, they can, might actually get something for him now. Don't you think? They might. Yeah. I mean, they, they're good. They're not going to, I mean, I think they've already shown they're not going to deal him for just bad money and nothing. Um, so yeah, I mean, context is everything, right? I mean, you have to have the right kind of team around him and he shouldn't be your focal point And, I thought the fit was okay in Oklahoma City. You just at the at the bare minimum, you give him the Perkins minutes, and he's an upgrade in that sense. Um, he's fine. Brook Lopez is okay. I mean, like he doesn't he struggles defensively, although he can protect the rim a little bit, and he might be one injury away from being out of the league. I don't know, but he's he's yeah, worth... but he's got what, only one year left. You know, yeah. The, the worst case next year is an expiring or injury insurance pays his contract, or you know, however it's gone. The Ty Lawson thing's interesting. I just, I'd like to see him. I'm not willing to give up on Ty Lawson. I'd like to see him on a good team. Like, that's the kind of guy that 
Does Miami have their first round pick this year? Or no, I can't remember. Uh, it's top ten protected, I believe, owed now to Philadelphia via Minnesota. Right. Okay. So they can't trade their pick, but that's no. Like it would make me upset if, like, all of a sudden Miami stumbled into Ty Lawson with some garbage Pat Riley trade, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they can't they can't get him. Ty Lawson's been pretty good this year. Yeah. Um, the Nuggets, by the way, they're on my they're on my poop list because they they had an all star campaign for Ty Lawson where they mailed people. Uh, uh, did you? I don't know if you got this, but they mailed out like a a mini like a suitcase that was themed around bringing Ty Lawson to New York City. It was like bring Ty to NY, and uh, you know my stance on this. Just don't mm. don't. It's give it. Give all the money to charity that you're spending on this. And, and All Star is like, I don't have a vote for All Star. Why am I getting this? What impact can I possibly have? And they, also, they, Ty Lawson has no chance to make the All Star team. They expect us to tweet it or talk about it in a podcast or something. Um, oh, this is my last question. Well, because I was thinking of Ty Lawson, like possible homes for him. Indiana would be intriguing if Indiana thought they actually we're going to make the playoffs and if they actually thought Paul George was going to be ready for the playoffs and they'd have a pick that would be basically if they were the eight seed, the 15th pick, which if you added something else to that, all of a sudden maybe you're in the Ty, Law, Ty Lawson conversation with some of their expirings, whatever. Um, I think Paul George comes back if they're, if they're in the playoffs and I, I just think he'll be ready. So let's say there's two weeks to go. And they have a chance to be the seventh seed or the eighth seed. If you were Indiana, would you bring him back? And do you personally think that he will be back? Um, I would lean no and no. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to answer without you know knowing what he's feeling right now. He's already said he's feeling a little bit of pain, but he's getting ready to do five on five next month. Um, you know, well, if you, if I'm if I'm strong enough that I'm in, like I'm 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 in number seven and I'm in number eight and I've got a two game or one game cushion, I'd think about it. If I'm tenth and I got to scramble just to get in, I'm probably going to shut it down and just say it's just not worth the risk or worth whatever. Um, I don't. I, I guess I would bet against him coming back this year for that reason. I, I don't. I, I what are they? They're well, they're four losses right back now. from yeah, four losses back from the eight seed and five from Charlotte because I actually think Miami's going to make it and somehow be below five hundred, but still make it when Wade and Bosch come back. Um, although they're at a they're at kind of a, a fork in the road point of their season because they don't turn it on right now. They're actually better off just shutting Wade and Bosch down and going for the top ten, keeping their pick thing. Um, but if Indiana gets there and George is ready. And you can give them like 10 days of tune-up games and you know you're going to be a 7 seed or an 8 seed. They're a top 10 defensive team. They have everybody from last year's Eastern Conference team except for Lance. That's not a team I'd want to play in the first round. I'm not saying they'd be a favorite or anything, but can you imagine being Toronto? You're the 2 seed. You're like, this is great. We're the 2 seed. We get to play whatever crappy team is 7. And then all of a sudden Indiana's sitting there. With Paul George, like who's that? Like eighty percent? Like that would be a little scary. Wouldn't be fun, but them's them's the breaks, you know. Um, I don't, it, you know, it's not out of bounds. It's not impossible. Is Vogel a coach of the year candidate for you? No, um, he's done a nice job, but uh, I think he's done an amazing job. Who the hell is on that team? Uh, I mean, you know, 
he's a, Frank Vogel's a good coach. I think this has been a good year for the Frank Vogel brand and all that. But I don't coach of the year with but with the Hawks are forty one and nine. Well, I didn't mean he'd, mean he'd really get it, but you know what I mean. I, it's been the kind of the best underrated coaching job, I think. They play Just really the, hard. The fact that they're not a ten win team right now is incredible. Uh, yeah, I think it's but it's it's Coach Buds or Kerr, and probably whoever has a better record will get Coach of the Year. Which reminds me, uh, tonight not on ESPN. You have to have league pass for the best game of the year, Atlanta Golden State. Unbelievable! I we can't. What planet is this? What is, a, what is this? We need a rule. It's just we should be able to – three trump guard games a year that we're just – you have to switch the game. So I think I think that – I have to look confirm this to make sure, but I think there's a rule that NBA TV can't have a game on when, when one of the on. national yeah, broadcasters a has a game on, which is right. why they have Tuesday night fan night and all that. Uh, just – and I – like this needs to be on – what is NBA – NBA TV now is going to have six hours of guys in the studio talking about the games – yeah, it just—I don't. Un- it's eh, whatever. It is what it is. I have league pass, so I'm okay. I'll tell you one thing about yeah, and who doesn't have league pass at this point? But lots I'll of people. You- Most NBA fans don't have league pass. League pass is for crazy people. Really? They don't want it to be, but like I—I I don't know. I don't know a single human being in my circle of normal people. So like, not including NBA people I've met through the NBA. Who has League Pass? Not like literally zero, except well, my parents who buy it for me so I can watch the games on TV over like Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm going to my mom's house tonight for for dinner with my two kids, and she does not have League Pass, obviously. And I might actually just call up cable from her from her house and order League Pass without her knowing about it, or just give her the money for it. But it, it, it like I want to see this game live. I'm going to tape it, but. Um, it's going to be a spacing extravaganza. They should call it the Space Bowl. Great spacing. Oh, my God. Look at the spacing. Wow. It's and then great. there's a possibility of like a double heat check. You just don't know. No. It's going to be – It's going to be. well, I, I hope it's a good game. I mean, the way we're talking about it, Golden State's going to go win by 25 or something, and it's going to be a disappointment. But even when Golden State wins by 25, it's still like someone has gone crazy – and there's 10 highlight plays, and it's still an awesome game. They are so much fun to watch. This has been the best league pass season ever. I just love it so much. I just every night. And for some reason, I'm irrationally attached to Phoenix. I've been, I've been taking these Phoenix losses really hard. They've, they've had like seven of the worst losses. Sharp did a good job of breaking down uh, all, the, all the different horrible losses they've had. But I just really like them, and I want them to get in the playoffs somehow. And... and um. You know, God bless Dirk. We love Dirk. We preach to the author Dirk here at Grantland. But I, I just don't think that Dallas team goes anywhere in the playoffs. Like, I would have so much more fun watching Phoenix. And we're going to have to talk about Rondo at another point. But um, we'll get there. I'm, I'm we'll sad get... about Rondo. Put it that way. I'm sad. I was wrong. I think I was we'll wrong. There. I was wrong. I, I think he might be done as, as the guy from the 2000. 12 Eastern Finals. He's just at a different point in his career now. I'll save it for later. Yeah, save it for later. All right, enjoy the weekend, Zach Lowe. Uh, everybody else, Grantland Basketball Hour, Sunday night, 8 p.m. ESPN. I know there is a ton of good TV on Sunday night, including the Grammys, uh, Better Call Saul starts, Walking Dead comes back, all the HBO shows, Showtime. Like, I get it. Um, 
but at the very least, you could DVR the trade value show. I mean, this is this is good. We we have video. We Ryan Rosillo and Jalen Zach couldn't be there unfortunately, but um, he's there in spirit. Um, so check that out. 8 p.m. ESPN. Zach Lowe, thank you very much. Have fun. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at Pod Center at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.